Okay, kids, how's everyone doing today? Good. Good. Okay, had no yelling. Try it again. How's everyone doing today? Good. Good. Okay, let's start out. First of all, have we decided what we're going to call this segment of the podcast? Is it Hen- Hinder Henderson Family Kids? Hinder no, Kids? Hen-fams. I think it's Hendfam. Henderson Kids and AK. Hen- Hendfam and AK. Hendfam. I think it should be camel, camel Boys and Girls. Camel Boys and Girls. Camel Boys and Girls, says Hadley. Camel I like is pow-wow. my least favorite thing to wear. Pow wow. Me too. Pow wow. What about you, Josiah? Um, I don't mind camel, but then you just start to fade in the background because no one can see you. Except for that guy that we saw walking downtown today that looked right. like a like neon camo man. Yeah. Yeah, you had a lot of camo on. Okay, so, man, these levels are really hard because we're passing the mics back and forth. I'm going to have to work on this. Okay. Um, let's let's go around everyone and say your name into the microphone so we know who is who. Youngest we'll to start oldest. Youngest to oldest? Oldest? Okay, go ahead. Youngest to oldest. Who's the youngest? Adelaide. Adelaide. And then your age. Hadley. Five. Go again, Had. Hadley. And your age? Five and a half. Five Five and and a half. half. Okay, who's next? Me. (laughs) Who's me? Hazel, and I am eight. My name is Josiah, and I am 12. Hi, I'm Malachi, and I'm 14. And I'm Mama Bear Jess, and I'm 36. Good job. Good, one, Mama. <laughs> Good one, Mama. Okay, who wants to... T- wait, 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 wait. Wait, what? Who wait, are wait. you? Huh? Who's this guy? Oh, sorry. I'm Abe. And how old are you? I'm dad. Um, I, I don't know. I'm 36. You just don't want to acknowledge that tomorrow is your He's birthday. He's 36.7. 99%. Yeah, I'm getting old. To 37. Yep. You're old, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alaska DIY. Alaska DIY. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be um 37 tomorrow. You want me to say that I'm gonna be 37 tomorrow? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna be 37 tomorrow. Is that good? Such a great conversation. So okay. Anyway, let's get past my age. Where? Oh wait, You're let's let the plane go by. Then. When is this podcast done? The kids can see the levels on the recorder, and they like to watch it go into the red, is what I've discovered. <laughs> okay, <laughs> kiddos, let's start by talking about where are we right now. We are in Saldovia. It's Saldovia. Where is Saldovia, Josiah? We're in Saldovia. In the Cook Inlet. Kind of. In Alaska. Yeah. In Alaska. In Alaska. Okay, where is Saldovia in relationship to Homer? Or I should say this. How did we get here? We took On a the boat. ferry. On a ferry. A boat ferry. Dad. Yeah, we rode on a ferry's back. Yeah. It is what it is. But remember, kids, don't, don't talk unless you have a microphone. So right now when we're passing microphones, you might have to raise your hand to say what you want to say, okay? 
Okay, how did we get here again? I forgot. A ferry. Oh, okay. Do we... We got on the ferry. Do you remember what town we were in when we got on it? Homer, Alaska. Good job. Anyone else? Well, you have a mic. You don't have to raise your hand. I was just saying, if you don't have a mic, like indicate you need a mic to say what you want to say. We came from Homer. Nice. Does anybody know where Homer is in relationship to Anchorage? It's a long point out in the water and there's a spit. Good call, Hadley. Anybody else? Pretty directly south. Yeah, down on the Kenai Peninsula. We've learned since being in Saldovia that we shouldn't be calling Homer the tip of the Kenai Peninsula. Because technically, Saldovia is the southern tip of the Kenai Peninsula. Kind of. I mean, it's on the southern edge of it, right? Right, the southern edge. Anyway, cool. So we're in Saldovia. Where are we right now this minute? Where are we sitting? Uh, In our teepee. In our teepee. And I right see next it. to the water on outside beach, right? Outside beach. The beaches are clever here. They're called what? What's the other beach called? Do you remember? Inside beach, sandy beach, like white beach, white waterfall beach, waterfall beach. Your mom's beach. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yes, he did. Oh, he did. <laughs> All right, we're sitting on your mom's beach. <laughs> Just. I'll take it. It can be my beach. <laughs> okay. I found my best piece of sea glass ever in the history of time on this beach. So. You'll take okay, let's talk a little bit about what have we done in today. What did we do this morning? Uh, we went to a music festival. Yeah, we went to a few. That was more like uh, noon though. We got ice cream to go camping, and we got ice cream. Earlier yeah. this morning, we were in a yurt. Whose yurt were we in? Higgin Aaron's. Higgin Aaron's. Why are Higgin Aaron's so cool? Because, because they, they trekked around the Cook Inlet with two kids, and they have done other adventures. All right, anybody else? What else has have Higgin Aaron and the kids done? Hey, wait, I, I have a good question on, on the heels of that. No. What 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 were some of the cool things about visiting Hig and Aaron at their place? <laughs> Meeting them. I thought it was really fun to go to the beach with Katmai and Latuya and explore caves for special rocks that turn purple and green when they're damp in, in a dark place. Which we found out was chert. Cool. I I learned about chitons, which I thought were called chit chitons. Cause that's how they're spelled as Chiton. <laughs> if anybody was wondering, we Apparently. found we found a like dying one on the beach, and it is quite possibly the most foul-smelling smell I have ever smelled in my life. You smell. Ever. You just said. You guys should just throw it in the water. Three times in the same sentence. That was a fantastic. That was an epic sentence, Malachi. One interesting yeah. fact. <laughs> Thanks. It Dad. was dope. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> one interesting fact yeah, about. Dad. Ki- all right, Heather, thanks, man. <laughs> One interesting fact about chitons. So you can eat them raw. Chitons. You can eat them raw. They grow. Let's ex- describe what they are really quick, and then people can Google them. It depends on the uh, on the race, but some of them can be up to, f- like, four to five inches long. Whoa. Like, wait, 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 no, 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 average no. one. It depends on the species. Subspecies average. or species. The gumbo chitin, I think, can get up to, like, seven or eight inches. Um, one can get big as a um, sleeping mattress. I don't think that's true, Hadley. 
you're kinda crazy. Doubt but that. what are they? They're like they remind me of a roly poly but flattened out on a rock yeah, and they're kinda slimy. Yeah, yeah. And they, so uh, like a roly poly. I have some pictures snail. we can put in the post notes if you want to do that. You got what? Po- pictures we can put in the post notes. Okay, we got pictures. And then what like they grow on they crawl on rocks but they're yeah, really they hard to the, pry off. They right? eat the algae on the rocks. Oh, and see, I can tell you know something about algae because you call it algae, not algae. Yeah, I just picked that up. I don't know, grows in the ocean, from bodies of water. Know. From people who know, yeah. Right on, that's cool. It seemed like Katmai and Latuya knew a lot. They did know a lot about all sorts of stuff. Katmai is um, Hig and Aaron's oldest son, and Latuya is their do- younger daughter. And they were on, they have been on several of Hig and Aaron's adventures, walking and trekking across great distances in and outside of Alaska, including Peru and Bolivia just recently. Like four days before we arrived at their house, they had just landed from eight months in Peru and Bolivia. What did you guys think of hearing their story about being in South America, kids? It was really interesting. It was really poopy. Okay, Had, you're cut off from the microphone. What? I said I was joking! But you can't say stuff about poop in the microphone. Because lots of people in the world are going to listen to this, and they might not want to hear about poop. Okay. Okay, deal? Mom, can I talk in the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> no, all microphones. I'm not going to let you talk about poop in my microphone I'm either. Not gonna. Or butt cracks. I'm not going to. Okay, what, let's talk about the day yesterday. Does anybody want to start out with what, like how the day started yesterday? I don't. So, Malachi, Josiah, and Daddy went to paddling to try and fish. We walked on a beach and had a really big walk. Really big walk. And you guys paddled all the way over where we walked. Which we had a nasty headwind. It wasn't Not a nasty, no. It was just a breeze. But it was yeah, but it was really pretty windy and rainy. No, we were doing it. Yeah, what did we do? Like, okay, so Hig and I back up because Hig let us borrow some of their pack rafts, right? Yeah. yeah. So then we, yeah. so then we hiked down to the beach all together. All together now. And then we inflated the pack rafts. Me, mm-hmm. myself, uh, Malachi, and just I just said me myself. Uh, Malachi Actually, and myself Hig and inflated I. most of them. We didn't. That's true. He was much faster at it than any of the rest of us. Including myself. You're supposed to say me, myself, and I. That's true. I got some pointers on how to inflate pack rafts, which is good. Nice. Um, then we put the pack rafts in the water. Mine had a leak. So occasionally while I was on the water, about every five to ten minutes, I had to lean over the edge and inflate my pack raft. Well, which this was an older model, and it had a mouthpiece, so you could actually do that. Yeah, that was a little bit easier. And uh, the thing about that is uh, it's like every time like Dad would stop, he would be blowing up his pack raft, and then you'd be... Ke- you. Like I was, I would keep going, and then I would look back, and he's about a hundred yards behind us, just from blowing up his pack raft. Because we had the headwind, if I stopped paddling to inflate my pack raft, not only would I lose ground because you guys were still paddling, but then I would be blown backwards. And then we were also trying to fi- trying to. Well, I'm getting ahead, but we were trying to fish, right? Yeah. Yeah, which was very difficult. Not very difficult. It was. It might not have been very difficult for you, but it was difficult for me. Yeah. I think any time you try something new for the first day, like combining pack rafting and rock fishing in the Cook Inlet, you know, you can imagine that there's a learning curve. Did we catch some fish? Yeah. yeah. What did we determine yeah. mine was? I think it was a, a kelp greenling. Kelp greenling. greenling. Yeah. And then I think I um, realized where I lost it. So 
uh, ended up catching a fish, brought it to the boat, popped its gills, and put it on a stringer. And while you're heading back, um, I looked back and my fish was gone off the stringer. So we don't know what happened, but I think I paddled through um, uh, through some kelp. Oh. It was like the last stretch. And I might have fallen off there. It's actually yeah, it might I be went, like right out I here. I actually went through several patches looking for it. But why? It. Also, what is another possible explanation of why it came off the stringer? Its teeth put a nick in the line, and it just got pulled. A little Do you remember bit. what we were doing? Fishing. We were racing. Oh yeah, we were racing. We were pa- we pack raft were racing. Pack raft racing. I forgot to bring well, it in on my lap, so like I didn't last, lose like it. Which I'd been really careful with. I mean, there are some seals around. I don't know what the likelihood of a seal pulling a rock or a kelp greenling off of your stringer next to your raft is. I didn't know if they wanted to get close, but I thought it better be safe than sorry. So I pulled it up while we were around the seal. And then later I let out and we raced back and it fell off. Well, another I, thing is. I, oh. I saw a, a, a Seattle eating an orange fish. <gasps> Oh. Maybe it would be Malachi's. <laughs> Maybe, but except uh, you weren't at the, um, you wouldn't have been at the beach this, the time that we were coming in with my fish. The seal that we saw uh, popped up really close to me and Malachi, like within uh, 10 yards. So maybe that yeah. stole it. And there was a lot of otters out there. <laughs> yeah. Like from where we were on the beach looking out at you guys. I was trying to count, but there was a bunch of otters. Yeah, one of the really cool mm-hmm. things about that paddle is we got we got really close to a lot of marine life. Like what, Josiah? What kind of marine life did we see? We saw, well, we had, we had fish right near us. We were catching fish. Otters were, uh, like, swimming around in between our pack rafts. We had seals popping up next to us. And then we also saw some really cool uh, seabirds, harlequins, fly- like, several drake harlequins were flying right over the water. I saw some cormorants, and there were also jellyfish. Yes. And eagles. I mean, it's kind of weird to be in a place where, like, eagles are an understatement, but they're kind of always around. But it's interesting this time of year you can really hear the babies screeching, which I think is always kind of, it always catches my attention. Not really when you're on the water. Yeah. It's kind of loud. Boo-hoo. Cool. So did you guys enjoy the the pack raft rock fishing yesterday? Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. I caught two black rock fish. Oh, yeah. I won the race. Oh, yeah. Mel won the race. You had I, to rub that in. I caught two black rock fish, and right, we, were, we were trying to fish the edge of the kelp beds, but with a wind, it was interesting because... There's no, we didn't have anchors on the pack rafts, so the challenge was to get up to a good spot and then start jigging as you drifted and then try not to drift into any more kelp, which would snag up, snag your line. So that was kind of interesting. It was it a was, new thing uh, to learn. It was very interesting. But it was a great time. I really Another thing is the, the wind would blow, like, as you were fishing, the wind would blow you away from your kelp bag bed so you're you're jigging and then you realize that you're a hundred yards away from any kelp bed and it's just like oh there are there aren't going to be that many fish out here yeah that did happen it we did notice that we were catching fish right underneath the kelp almost the big bull kelp especially um i had a great time and we were trying to decide on our way back if we had been out there for three or four hours and when I checked my watch, it w- we had been out there for over six hours. So we were definitely enjoying ourselves. 
Uh, how did it go on the beach, kiddos? Hazel or Addie? The best. Good ever. It was good so, good so, 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 so good. Did you so, <laughs> did I think you I can give a little more details than that since I was on the beach. Yeah? Yeah, go for we, it. So, I thought it, I found it really inspiring to be with Erin and to know how many thousands of miles she's trekked, both just, you know, with her and Hig and then And to also clarify on that note really quick, Jess... We asked them after we finished the podcast um, right. with them how how so it was off the mic. I asked them, "Hey, how many miles have you hiked collectively in the backcountry?" And they said together they thought that they had hiked somewhere between eight thousand and nine thousand miles backcountry, like wilderness miles. Which is just like so hard to wrap your mind around. And I I have been reading mud flats and fish camps to the family for bedtime and we're about to wrap that up yep. and then i started reading aaron's book yeah. about her and hig and their walk from seattle to the aleutian islands and i guess i'm getting a better idea of what it looked like but you still have to think like how they spent a year of their life walking and like we're sitting in our tp and we set it up today and we're gonna sleep here and eat here for a few days but just to imagine picking that up every day and walking to a new spot for a year is like just really neat to try and comprehend. So I find their story and wanting to get our family out on adventures just really inspiring. So I thought, you know, whatever she says we're going to do tomorrow, I'm game, you know. And um, so we definitely have been working hard to get our family find inspiring ways to put some put our feet on the ground and do some miles. And so we walked from Hig and Aaron's house down to the beach, which was through Alaska forest. I mean, it wasn't far. Yeah, it's it's basically rainforest here. Yeah, that's yeah, what it was kind like of like. And it was forest. pouring. I mean, it was really rainy while we were walking. And so um, Addie and I came up with some games to keep us mentally in the in the hiking and then we came out on this beautiful beach you know pristine alaska wilderness and um what beach was this this was um the waterfall first beach, beach. Yeah. okay and here we are you know on the cook inlet kachemak bay specifically let those four wheelers go by yeah we are camped on the <laughs> beach but there's a two track that goes right by this it's a dead end th- it's been rainy since we got here a couple of days ago and then today is like bright sunny beautiful solstice so everybody's having a really good time today oh yeah happy summer solstice, happy solstice everyone solstice. yeah this will come happy out a little solstice. bit later than solstice but yeah happy solstice but the sentiment is right yeah so yeah so we, it was like uh let me think there was four mamas and a handful of kids you know half of them were mine <laughs> was there seven kids and no, uh, there's more than seven it was a good no, there was like, like at seven. least two miles no, down no. the beach i think and we were crossing boulders that are like bigger than me piled on top of each other like there was no easy easy path put your rock climbing shoes on and boulder is bigger than my daddy yeah, and like Hadley's Hadley's mode of conquering these rocks was just to climb straight up the face of them. And uh, thanks to the Alaska Rock Gym <laughs> boosting that confidence. Um, but there was moments like even in the middle, I think Addie kind of had a tough time of like, man, we've been we've been walking for a while and we still have more to go, but we don't know how long because we're kind of guests along on this hike and. 
she really powered through feeling frustrated about not knowing what she was up against and what we still had ahead of us. But, I mean, we were finding beautiful rocks. We were watching the ocean. Um, we were watching Daddy and the boys fish for rockfish, and we were in company of these really neat new friends and finding living creatures in the tide pools, lots of hermit crabs. We, uh, Malachi, we found... I was thinking you would have really liked this part. Do you guys remember the name of those little fish the boys were catching in their hands? Sculpins. Mm, yeah, I saw some yep. out there. You saw them out in the yeah. water? Okay, mm -hmm. so. I mean, not while we were pack rafting, but earlier today I saw some s little sculpins, yeah. So there was a little guy that was about the same age as Hadley and Adelaide walking with me a lot, and he wanted to, like, stay at every tide pool, and I had to work really hard to encourage him to, like, keep up with us because we were working with the tide. While the tide was low, we could get around this point, but once, and the point was kind of the very end, so for most of the walk, we needed to not, like, lose our pace or we would <laughs> be stuck in the tide, um, but he just wanted to catch every sculpin and put them in the same little tide pool so that he, he was collecting them all. It was really cute. Good beach day. How many four-wheelers are Good here? Good grief, right? I know. <laughs> um, Adelaide, how was the hike for you, babe? Did you enjoy it? Addie's about to fall asleep. Or at least that's the sign um, she's given. One thing that my dad pointed out is that when we were pack rafting, after a while, it got like really... Um, it got pretty difficult after your arms started to hurt and your wrists get sore from all that movement. And then when we got to shore, my dad pointed out that Hig and Aaron did that every day, and they crawled into a tiny tent and did it the next day. We were also sopping wet, so. Yeah. I'm sure there but were days were. where they were sopping wet. Yeah, I was actually pretty wet and uncomfortable, um, even wearing rain gear. But I think there's something about sitting in a pack raft for hours on end that there's ways to get wet in there that... You know, you wouldn't normally like. We had good Grundens rain gear for everyone, yeah. but the wet still still seeped in. I think it you did for what? everyone. I asked Aaron when we started out our hike. I know through the books that they have done some of their own gear engineering and sewing and whatnot. So I asked her, you know, with rain gear, have you had any success in making better quality? rain gear because here in Alaska I think everybody just kind of laughs at the idea of adequate rain gear like at some point you just have to get okay with being wet at times and she definitely laughed at the idea of good rain gear and said you know we do our best but we also just find ways to dry out fast and no there's nothing better you can make she said she just at this point will buy her kid's next size raincoat from what's on clearance because nothing is good. So you just know that you want a raincoat and that it's going to get wet and you're just going to deal with it. So that was interesting perspective. Yeah, just as a quick aside, um, following up on that, I talked to Hig uh, last night a little bit about gear. And one of the things I was curious about is they're putting in hundreds, thousands of miles in the ba Alaska backcountry. Uh, in all four seasons of the year. Oh, Hel wow, that's a cool picture, Hadley. Hadley just took a picture and showed it to me. I like it, buddy. That's really cool. Um, great perspective. 
They put in thousands of miles of backcountry wilderness miles in all four seasons in Alaska. And and so I was curious what gear he's come to rely on. And he said uh, that, again, kind of what you're saying, is that everything that they buy, or even if they make it, although he said they're making less and less now because the gear has gotten better and better, um, everything that they buy, they w- they use it to failure. He said it doesn't matter what yeah. it is. They destroy it. Right. And Which I so think you've come to that conclusion, too, about... Our family hasn't gotten into gear as much as you, but I feel like you're always putting your gear to the limits. Definitely, but I, I kind of think that they are on a... Well, they're definitely Another on a different level. level yeah. yeah. And so it's interesting, though, because the footwear thing, like there's some crossover between the lightweight hiking or, or ultralight hiking crowd and hunting, um, especially in, when it comes to shelters and, and, and some other things, but not with footwear. I have seen... I've been going lighter and lighter on my footwear over the years, but I still haven't gone completely away from a lightweight hiking boot. Or I noticed they were all wearing Solomon. They all wear like yeah. ultra light, breathable Solomon walking and shoes. And out there, when we were on our hike yesterday, that's what her and the kids were wearing. And they, their feet were obviously soaked and they were just, yeah, that was their option to dry out quick rather than worry about trying to keep their feet dry. Yeah. Hig was saying that they, he said, if you have fast drying, lowers so like pants socks and shoes and a good raincoat he said you can stay pretty warm and dry on top and the lower half of your body is fairly i think he called it you kind of get into a like an amphibian mode it's like in and out of water all the time so it's just wet and then hopefully dry out and then you get wet again and he said it's just constant so hmm. that's, w- you know, ex- excluding wintertime, that's how he they dress. He also said he can sleep in really cold temperatures now because he's done it so much. And I cannot imagine getting to the point of being able to sleep when I'm cold. <laughs> yeah, he said it sounded like that was a practice skill, but he can definitely go to bed pretty much soaking wet and, and freezing yeah. and crawl into a sleeping bag and, and warm up. So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, uh, we were out there head to toe grundens and rubber boots bouncing around. And they're walking around in like some r- tattered, you know, lightweight rain jacket and just whatever pants they were wearing and sh- walking shoes they had on for the day. And you know they're soaking wet. Which, if you have the chance, watch the film Heart of Alaska, which is the footage that Hig and Aaron took on their hike trek around the Cook Inlet with the two kids. And then Bjorn Olsen um, cut it into a film. And in there, I think... One of the friends mentions that when Katmai came to visit them, she was like, oh, your socks are wet. And he said, I love wet socks, which that's a that's a strong mental game, I think, for anybody, let alone a kiddo. Hadman, do you like wet socks? Uh, no, but um, he was doing this um, uh, Katmai game. He, um, <laughs> he always... Threw the bag and um, the wind would blew it and then he went to catch it. Oh, that's fun. Was that on the beach, bud? No, it was on a sidewalk. Gotcha. Right near Kodiak, next to, or uh, not Kodiak, sorry, Anchorage, near the boardwalk. When you're coming into Anchorage, if you see the boardwalk and all the marshlands, they were walking across there. Uh, that was in the movie Heart of Alaska. Oh, yeah, it was in the movie, buddy. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. I remember that in a stiff wind. So anyway, yesterday I thought was a lot of fun. Did you guys enjoy the day? We, yeah, we kind of split awesome. up. Yeah, we split yeah, up into different fun. things. Hazel, what did you think, sweetie? 
Hazel's giving a thumbs up. She's acting like she doesn't want to talk into the microphone anymore. Blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. So does anybody know what's next after Soldo? Well, first of all, we're going to be in Soldo. When's the next ferry, Mom? I, on Sunday, but I I need to get to internet and buy our tickets, okay. actually. We've been struggling to find internet. But, but, I mean, we are off the road system, technically. Is this considered right. off the road system? It took I a ferry to get here. I would, I would think so. Um, so, you know, you can't. You can't expect to have free Wi-Fi or cell phone service everywhere in Alaska you go, especially if you're outside. You can mm-hmm. maybe buy them the on road a phone system. call too. I just yeah, we'll we can, we'll figure out the ferry ticket. But anyways, we've got two more days or three We're more days. We're gonna be stuck in Seldovia forever. Uh, a few more days until <laughs> we take bad. the ferry back. Do you want to be stuck in Seldovia? Yeah. We're going to go to Talkeetna. It is kind of crazy when you think about it. It's a pretty cool place. And then next we're going to hit the road and go north to Talkeetna. Yeah. Which will be the farthest north we've made it in Alaska this far. Oh, dang. Uh-huh. Far as of yet. And we'll see. I think we were planning on about five to seven days in Talkeetna um, to visit some friends up there. And then possibly are we going to fit in try to fit in denali for a day i think we or should two? i mean yeah it's crazy yeah, how it, it seems like if you're on the road all summer um traveling in the tra- the travel trailer you have so much time with nothing to do but actually we created a calendar there's actually a lot on the calendar and it's hard to figure out you know how to squeeze in some extra stuff that we that come up that we'd like to do yeah but uh, but it's a full calendar, so a lot to look forward to. And even still, while we're here in Saldovia, they have a king run that we're going to try and get in on tomorrow before we catch the ferry back. Do a little bit more fishing. The Oh, the the um, black rockfish, we brought it back. Oh, yeah. We brought one back because uh, I tossed the first one back in the water because I didn't think it was very big. And then Malachi caught that kelp greenling, which was a good-sized fish. And then I caught another one. Since we already had one on the stringer, I kept mine on my own stringer. And it was the only one that survived. It was about the same size as the first one. And I was surprised at how meaty. It's a very meaty fish. Yeah, because it wasn't very big. Like, it, to look at it, it didn't seem very big. No, it didn't. But there was quite a bit of meat that we picked off of it. And uh, so anyway, we cooked it over the fire at Higg and Aaron's. And ate the leftovers this morning With a, just for a breakfast. With just a little bit of salt on it and... It was good. Yeah, just a bit of salt cooked on the fire. It was really tasty. The that kids, was really The kids good. at the end were fighting over pieces of the head. The head must have been good. <laughs> yeah, so I just gutted it and then fried it on the frying pan. And then the head, there's little pieces of meat on the head um, that actually tasted a lot and were the, a very similar texture to scallops. I was shocked. Oh, okay. Yeah. At how similar to scallops it was. I think they're the only part of a fish that will ever be chewy. And that's really good. It was chewy and had a... Did you think it tasted kind of like scallops? I don't think I've ever had scallops. I thought it was very... It was almost like if I you had big I enough chunks... I scallops, too. If you could av- get, like, big enough chunks off of, uh, off of a fish, you could probably sell it as, like, fake scallops. Or, like, what's the what's the crab called? I'm sorry. There's, there's off-microphone pantomiming and whispering. <laughs> Um, no, I thought it was really interesting. So anyway, the the black rockfish was really good. Yeah, and a couple people last night at the solstice gathering said that uh, black rockfish is one of their favorites. I'm pretty sure Aaron might have even. Yeah, I it was good. Remember. It was just a good, firm, flaky yeah, white meat that tasted nice and was wasn't dry or anything. It was good. Mm-hmm. Okay, kids, is, do you guys have anything you want to say? Are you excited to do anything? Uh, I saw a portabuse. Portabuse. 
What's a? I was joking. What's a porpoise? Porpoise. A porpoise. Porpoise. <laughs> we say it with an accent like porpoise. Oh, porpoise. Yeah, so I became porpoise. He says porpoise. I couldn't tell it was porta potty or porpoise. It was a strange but I don't blend. think we actually we didn't see a porpoise that time. <laughs> so it's on both. a movie, it's like um, a, this one guy a, with a heavy accent goes porpoise, porpoise. Well, this guy's in the water. Turns out to be a shark, and it's just a really funny part in the movie. And so with all of our friends now, we go porpoise. Oh, that was Whenever a Walter Mitty. The, Secret Life yeah. of Walter Mitty. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That's a really good movie. Which is kind of like what our life is like right now, actually. I haven't seen the movie. Oh. Except we're not chasing down a dude in the, like, what was the, in the Himalayas taking yeah. pictures of um, snow, snow leopards. leopards. But we're definitely on the road. Yeah. Dude, Hadley, that's a great picture. Hadley's been running Hadley's around taking with a, a selfie camera. with a real camera. Yeah, well, the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we better sign off. Um, so anyway, this is all very haphazard and not scripted, as as anyone here listening can tell. Oh my gosh, like this crew, whatever, <laughs> any kind of script. But oh I thought gosh. it'd be fun to just get everyone on a microphone and talk about what we're hey, doing and where we're at. Real quick before we're off, do you remember like 10 years ago, we watched a series of documentaries and one being about this family of kid there was six kids in a surfing family yes and they all they all lived on the road and we were like wow that would be amazing this was when we just maybe had two kids what was that called i can't remember it very distinctly it was like two or three of those kids became um professional surfers there was how many kids did you say there were I thought there was six. I was thinking seven, but yeah, something like that. And their dad was a doctor in Southern California, and he quit his practice, bought a big bus. Yeah, so that they could go surf. And they just basically the traveled around and surfed. And then, and also I at that time, too. which he had like, that's what I want to do: get a bus to live in it. Get a bus. Get a bus, huh? Do you yeah, go somebody just too? recently told. Oh, it was yeah. Monty, I think. Our friend and winter landlord said there was a bus for sale. I don't know if I'm ready for a bus. Somewhere. No, not a bus for sale. Someone living I'm in a bus. Oh, someone for living a in a bus. Anyhow, introduced the kids to the idea that they could live in a bus. I want to get us like two Vita buses, and we'll have like a car- <laughs> and we'll have like a train of Vita buses. I if you get cool. your permit, your driving permit, I still have to have talking. someone in the car with me. I want to learn how to surf. Be cool. And I know that you can surf here in Alaska, and there's even on Kodiak where I work, we see guys out surfing on the coast uh, on some certain beaches. But I don't really have a lot of desire to surf in Alaska other than just to try it. If I was going to learn to surf, I think I would go somewhere warmer and spend a lot of time in the water. Winter goals. Winter goals. The other thing that I want to do someday is walk or bicycle or drive from Prudhoe Bay, Alaska to the southern tip of South America down to yeah, Tierra del Fuego. So I've been about those documentaries, you've been talking about that since 10 years ago or so. Or when more. We like 2006. And, and Pebble Mine. Or five. Remember when I was in grad school, I started talking about it yeah. in, in Gonzaga. And I, man, then I could roll my eyes at you so easily. But now we've done a few wild enough things that I'm like, meh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, especially Permission. meeting Higgin Aaron. I know. Hey, how do you, hey kids, how would you feel about walking from the Arctic Ocean to the Antarctic Ocean? Is that the I don't even know if it's the I Antarctic Ocean. I don't know. Ocean. I don't know what you We'll have to I'm look game. at some maps. <laughs> kind of good. Mal's game. We should bike. Kind of 
We could incorporate bicycling and pack rafting. There you go. What Let's about, do it. What about you, Hazel? Would you go all the way from Prudhoe Bay, Alaska to Sierra del Fuego? She said kind of good several times. Okay, what about you, Headman? I will only do it to Washington. And then you're just going to stay at Poppy's house while we yeah. finish? <laughs> Should we section hike it or through hike it? Through hike it if we had bikes and pack rafts. Section hike it if we didn't. I agree with Joe. Mom? I I guess segment hiking makes it seem way more possible to me. But if we had bikes and pack rafts, it would be a lot more efficient and easy and we could just way, go all the way. Adelaide is still here. We're just not telling her and she, she's, she's asleep. asleep. And because she would say no. Well, yeah, we could just get not. a bike trailer. Somebody would have no, to bike no. her. No, Mom. Bike <laughs> trailers are too wide. She did gear. really awesome yesterday. There's enough like food. Today, yeah. Yesterday was a game changer. She had a big day yesterday walking along the beach. I think she's almost ready for a multiple yeah. thousand mile Prudeau trek. Yeah. Here's what we do. We just save up for four and a half years. Each year we get two of our family. Then Dad's going to uh, be 41. Bike and a pack raft. And four Dude. and a half years we'll Shush. go. Or we could bike section. We could section hike it and... Well, I was thinking we could grab a scooter that could fold. There's a kind of scooter that you can fold down. A fat bike scooter? A fat tire scooter? Yeah. Hmm. man, didn't you meet Roman Dial? Yeah! Did you hear about his bike rafting adventures? Okay, he's looking at the red meter on the But do you remember, Hadley, recorder. in his pictures, there would be a pack raft and a bike would be stacked on the front. Uh, and yeah. It was, it was yeah! a special bike that would fold in half. I don't want to do as much coastal pack rafting as I want to do river, like whitewater rafting when with the pack raft. When is this podcast done? <laughs> Very soon, buddy. I okay. want a bike. Oh, my gosh. All we right. Have some yeah. to do. Any don't last forget, words, kids? Okay, Headman. Uh... And oh. you who I mean, listen to this podcast, please um um come hike with me and my daddy. Yeah, dude, you wanna go on a hike? Okay. Let's do it. Anybody else got a How word? How many people are gonna come on this hike, Hadley? Just uh, as many as you want. Nice. Hadley stood on the recorder. Good job, Had. Uh sorry, Daddy. Get off of no me. No worries, dude, we got this. Alright, signing off. Arrivederci. Bye. Adios. Bon voyage. Auf Wiedersehen. See ya. Kuka <laughs> ka. <laughs> this is Alaska DIY. Alaska DIY. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Alaska DIY. If you are interested in the show notes, or if you want to get notifications via the email. So you don't miss another episode. I'm going to send you to my website. But before you go there, no, I just want to be completely upfront and honest with you. I started Alaska DIY to help some buddies back home who have always dreamed of hunting Alaska, but just did not know where to start planning their hunt. So I thought, hey, I can do something about this. And I created this guide called the Kodiak Sitka Blacktail Guide. It's my first product that I put out. I am charging money for it. It is for sale. But here's the deal. I believe in providing way more value than what I ask for in return. So check out the guide. It's 100 bucks. Or I just recently included a new payment option where for $10 a month for a year, so it's 120 bucks. you pay a little bit more. It's the, it's the price of 
a good six pack of IPA, you know, 10 bucks a month, you can get that guide. And of course there's a full refund, infinity money back guarantee, like all that kind of like, I'm not going to take your money if you're not happy with it. So check it out if you want to. Okay. But this is not a sales pitch. I don't want to, I don't want you to think that I'm pitching you on this. This is if you're interested, if this is a dream that you've ever had and, and you're interested in a written how-to guide with links and phone numbers of services and products and all the things that you need from one end to the other, even if you've never planned an out-of-state hunt before, it's all in there. If you're interested in that, then you're welcome to go check it out, okay? But I just want to let you know that I'm going to send you to the website in order to get the show notes, and I don't want you to be like, oh, this guy's so sleazy. You know, he's sending, it's like the backdoor sales thing where it's like, you tease me with show notes and then you just slam me with the sales pitch. Okay, it's not like that. That's not what I'm trying to do. It's just all on one website. So if you're not interested in that, ignore the webpage that says buy now or get a sneak peek. Don't don't look at any of that. Go to huntalaskadiy.com. Huntalaskadiy.com. Go there, go to the upper right-hand corner, click on podcast, okay? That's going to take you to the podcast page where you can stream the episodes and you can get show notes with links of things that we talk about on there. Now, if you want to get an email notification so you don't miss any future episodes of Alaska DIY, you can click on the upper right-hand corner where it says, what does it say? I wrote it. Subscribe. It says subscribe. Click there. You can punch in your name and email, and I'll send you uh, a notification every time I'm releasing a new episode so you don't miss one. Now, I will send you an occasional email mainly about stuff I'm learning while in the field, tips or tricks that might help you out when you come up to Alaskan Hunt, some potential gear reviews, or maybe less formal than a review, but just stuff I'm trying out and like, hey, this worked really awesome for me. I recommend it if you're coming up here and hunting in these type of circumstances. So if you want more information about Alaska, occasionally, remember I'm in the field about seven months out of the year, you can subscribe to that newsletter as well as get the notifications when the podcasts drop. Okay, so upper right-hand corner podcast, click there for show notes. Upper right-hand corner subscribe, click there for occasionally email plus notifications of on when new podcasts drop. And then if you don't want to be sold nothing, you know, you're, you've been warned. So just don't look at the main page where it talks about the Kodiak Sika Black Tail Guide, how cool it is, how easy it is to use it, and how awesome the money-back guarantee really... Actually, it doesn't say that at all. It just says, like money back guarantee i think if you have any questions you can always email me at abe abe at huntalaskadiy.com okay i have a ton of fun recording these podcasts and getting them out there for you folks just to share it with you i hope you've enjoyed it as much as i have i hope it's been helpful in some way or at the very least mildly entertaining for you and made your morning or evening commute go by just a little bit quicker Just one more thing before I turn this contraption off. When my children were approaching hunting age, I knew that I wanted to teach them about the tenderness of hunting. There's always been a moment right after I kill an animal that is overwhelmingly conflicting. When I kneel next to an animal that died at my hands, I experience elation, joy, and gratitude as well as love and sorrow. In an effort to mark this tender moment, I began a very simple family tradition. Now when we take an animal's life, the killer kneels and places a hand on the dead animal's still warm body and recites these words, 
Thank you for your life which sustains us. It's not much, but a reminder to pause in an otherwise busy and exciting moment to show our respect and gratitude. It's also a reminder that the meat that nourishes our bodies throughout the year came at the expense of an individual animal's life. So here is my ask for you. Take a child or a loved one into the woods. Teach them love and respect for all things. Teach them the skills necessary to hunt with humility and to be deadly so that animals do not suffer at their hands. Most importantly, teach them to be grateful for wild places and wild creatures.